Thank you, Curtis. Thank you, choir. Thank you. We shall be free. Did you hear those words? Free to love. Do you hear that right in the middle of it? Free to love. It's Pride Sunday. Do you feel free to love yet today? Free to love. I'll set some other good words from Forever Blessed. Thank you, Forever Blessed, for that wonderful performance. I don't know if you caught it, but it said, heaven is in the streets and Jesus is his name. Did y'all hear that part of the verse? Heaven is in the streets and Jesus is his name. Tell you what, there was heaven in the street last night and Jesus was our name. There was heaven in the street and we need to not forget that that's where heaven can be. When we're doing that pilgrimage we call Pride Parade and are out about our love and out about our faith and letting the whole world say, you can be all these things together. You can be integrated, your whole self. You don't have to carve off any of yourself to be whole. There's heaven in the streets. These masks that help reveal instead of conceal. God asks us to know that there's heaven in the streets. Heaven in this pew for sure. You know, freedom for all, for sure. But out there, we need to be the same people we are in here. That there is heaven in the streets, for sure. For sure, and we shall be free. Today, we get a vision from Peter. Any of y'all ever had any visions? You know, some of them that you remembered in the morning. Some of those visions that might shake up and change your life. We actually have two visions this morning. We only read one of them, but in the chapter before this, some guy named Cornelius had a vision. And in his vision, it said, send some people over to this guy named Peter and invite him home. Send some guys over to Peter. And you know what? Cornelius finished his vision and did just that. Now, Peter doesn't know any of that's going on. Peter's just kind of hungry. Peter's in his own space, in his own place, and he falls into a trance, and he has a vision. And that vision is of a sheet, it says. You might imagine a pride flag floating down out of heaven, being put out in front of Peter. And on that sheet is everything that Peter's not supposed to eat, all different kinds of food. You might call this the Celebrate Carnivores Day according to this but we celebrate vegetarians and vegans too but in this in this particular account you know the food was a problem you know and so the sheet comes down and the food's a problem you know they've come over quite a few barriers this early christian movement they've actually come through saying okay you don't have to be a jew for generations you know they've let go of having the proper bloodlines in order to be a christian Okay? And they've let go of even, even though they still fight about it, circumcision. You know, the way you were a faithful person. They have let go of circumcision and they've let go of the bloodlines. So they've let go of some things, but they just can't get over this food thing. Have you seen those Gentiles? Look at how they eat. It's just nasty. You know, it's just nasty. They just can't get over it. They got an ick factor about watching them eat these foods like shrimp. You know, my goodness, isn't that awful? You may not feel it today, but if you've taught, been taught your whole life that that's disgusting, then it's nasty. 
you know. So the sheet comes down in front of Peter. It comes down right in front of him. And all of these things that he's been taught to avoid are on it. And he says, no, uh, nothing profane has ever crossed my lips. I don't know if you've ever said that to anybody. Nothing profane has ever crossed my lips. And I'm not going to let that happen, you know. And God says, don't call. Don't call profane what I call clean. Nothing's unclean that I call clean. So Peter didn't get it with one falling of the sheet. Okay? Sometimes we don't get it the first time, do we? Second time, sheet falls, offered again. Third time, sheet falls and offered again. God says, don't call unclean what I call clean. Stop it. And Peter still can't quite make sense of it. What in the world is going on? You know, disgusting. Y'all might remember when you felt that ick factor some. My mom used to make this dish on Sunday mornings called egg out of goldenrod. Have y'all ever heard of it? Well, it was fancy SOS from the military. So it was fancy SOS. So what she would do was she would make white cream gravy, okay? And she would have toast and eggs. And what made it fancy was you split the yolk out from the white of the egg, okay? And so you put the white on the bottom, and then you put toast, and then you poured the white gravy on it, and then you put sprinkled the egg yolk on top. And if it was really fancy, then you'd put in, like, some of that sandwich meat in it to heat it up in the gravy, you know, and so this was supposedly our special Sunday meal. And so I can't tell you, my sister and I would look at that and we would just go, ick. We would sit down and she'd say, you have to eat it. So this was a celebratory Sunday ritual for us every Sunday. You have to eat this. But that toast would get soggy. Ick. You know, I could even feel it coming back up in my throat. That kind of Ick. You know, that kind of ick went along with this. You know, and it was, it was just my response to the, is there, is there something profane about egg a la goldenrod? Not really. But I tell you to this day, soggy foods are ick to me. You people who love tofu and it jiggles on the plate, ick. <laughs> you know, someone tried to tell me to get me to eat tomato aspic. You know, and it was just kind of jiggling on the plate. And I said, ooh, that soggy stuff, just ick. Now, I'll tell you what. God says, Troy, get over yourself. That's just about your own taste. That's just about, in Peter's understanding, his own cultural conditioning. There wasn't anything wrong with all those foods. There wasn't anything wrong with the people who ate those foods. Don't call unclean what I've called clean. And Peter is still not getting it. So these two Gentile strangers show up. He's, they've sent for him. Come and talk to us. You know, my master sent me to come and get you. And so Peter goes from Joppa to Caesarea, a two-day trip up the coast, and goes to this home he's been invited to, and he gets to the doorstep, and he actually says to the family before he goes in, you know, I'm not supposed to walk into here. Because I got this ick feeling, you know? And I've been told I'm not supposed to be with you folks because you don't practice the things you're supposed to practice. You know, I'm not supposed to be here, but I've been, had this vision and you called and said oh, you, were, you had a vision, so here I am. And Peter makes it through the door. You know, once he hears a little bit about Cornelius' vision, he starts to tell the story. He starts to tell the story of how he loved Jesus. 
the passion that he saw in Jesus, the things Jesus did when Jesus was with him. He tells the story of how Jesus was crucified and how God didn't let death have the final answer. And as he walks in, he's listening to them. They're nodding in their heads, and they say, we believe, we believe. And Peter, Peter is still in shock. He doesn't get what the sheep means, but he's starting to, and he says, oh, I know now God shows no partiality. God shows no partiality, none, no partiality. Everyone is accepted. Everyone is to be a part of the family. Everyone is supposed to come. Everyone's supposed to dance. Everyone's supposed to find that heaven on the streets. And the Holy Spirit just came down upon them right in that moment. And Peter was interrupted and just had to sit back, sit back and watch. No, I'm not sure that's quite what it looked like in Cornelius' house. 
But the spirit fell and there was so much confusion and stuff going on that Cornelius and Peter just couldn't get a hold of the whole thing. And Cornelius, Cornelius' whole household becomes a part of the church on that day with that spirit moving within and among everyone. And I want you to hear some of those words of that song. I didn't know all of them. Safe and sound. It says, even if the sky has fallen down, that blanket fallen down. Sometimes it feels like when the rules change, life has fallen apart. But even when the blanket comes falling down and life comes falling apart, I know I'll be safe and sound. Another verse out of that song, in a tidal wave of mystery, you'll be standing next to me, safe and sound. What does it mean when the world gets turned upside down and all the rules you knew you were supposed to play by aren't the rules anymore? You know, the sky is falling. And there's this mystery we have to walk into that we don't know yet. God says, I'll be right there with you. The spirit breaks loose when Peter gets to the part of his sermon when he's not done yet. And he says, you know, this Jesus is for everyone. Look at the scripture. It says, this Jesus is for everyone. And the spirit breaks loose. Sometimes we forget how broad and how big that is. This spirit is for everyone. God shows no partiality. The Spirit is for all those that we find icky, including me. The Spirit is. Some of them feel right like that when the preacher knocks on the door. Ick. Do we have to let this guy in the house? I don't know about that. Sometimes we feel that. But Peter's conclusion for them at that time was revolutionary. You know, we could let go of all these other things, but you know, at table, it's just so disgusting. You know, we have to see it every day. Can we let go of that in order to do what God's calling us to do? Can we let go of that? You know, and Peter didn't get it all at once, because later, if you read the book of Acts, Paul had to remind him, because Peter wasn't eating with the Gentiles anymore. So Paul had to remind him. So in this moment in time in the house, like last week, when Kristen talked about the eunuch saying, what's to hinder me from being baptized? He was reading the scripture and went up and the eunuch said it in such a way that Kristen did it, saying, nothing's to prevent me from being baptized. You better get on board. So here in the Cornelius' house, the Holy Spirit's already come and Peter says he can't do anything else. Who can hinder God? And the whole family is baptized. This story is so important in our faith, it's told twice, back to back. Chapter 10 and chapter 11 of Acts. It's just in there, one right after the other. Because Peter, in his passion, has to share what's happened. And you know, we can have passion about lots of things and not do anything about it. We can have passion about what we think's wrong with the world, and we can complain about it and be angry about it and not do anything about it. You know, so Peter's passionate about this man called Jesus and about what it means that love conquers death. Peter starts to get passionate about what it means that it breaks down these barriers and what I thought was icky goes away. Peter is passionate about that, but he could do nothing if he chose to. But you just go one chapter from chapter 10 to chapter 11 in the book of Acts, and you see what Peter does is he uses his resources to make change happen. His love for Christ, his vision, his experience is his resource he draws upon. 
He uses the people who've been coming together in worship, and they go with him to Joppa to see this miracle happen. Then, after Joppa, he goes to Jerusalem to tell this story. Peter has the resource of access. See, because Peter is one of those traditionalists. So he fits in with this crowd. They don't consider him icky. You know, he gets to go in the door. And as he goes in the door, he tells them the story of his vision and of the spirit falling. And you know, this is the story that includes us in the church. This is how we got here. It's because of a vision. And because Peter was open to listening to that vision. He could have sat with his passion and done nothing, but he gathered up all his wherewithal and his resources and went to Jerusalem to change those policies, change those human rights ordinances, change what the law was within his community of faith. And he tells them a story there. And following that story, Peter is so intentional, his, the rest of his life, his ministry, is reaching out to those beyond the family. The rest of his life is in ministry till his death to tell people about that passion of Jesus and that nothing keeps you separate. There is no partiality. And so I want to say that to you in a certain way. Peter had passion. He took that passion. And with that passion, he added the resources he had, the access he had, the privilege he had. And then when that happened for him, he put those two together. He said, what do I do? And he had some intentional direction and a vision. What comes next? And then what Peter did was he endured till the end of his life to tell that story so that the world would know about that love. Now, I'll tell you, that spells what? Pride. This is something you can be proud of. Combine the passion you have with the resources you have. Give it a direction, an intentional direction, and don't stop. Endure. When you do all those things together, you are first century Christians. You are people who listen to the Spirit. You are people who are enduring no matter what is happening out there. No matter who looks at you and says, Ick! You are a people who can be proud because you're following Jesus. So what does that look like for us today? What are we passionate about? Do we put our resources behind it? And with those resources, do we have any idea where we're going? with an intentional direction, and then do we plan to hang on until we are all free, as the song said, till there's heaven in the street and Jesus is his name. Are we willing to put that passion and that resource and that intentional direction together and hang in there for the blessing? Hang in there for the blessing. I wanna tell you that your stories, your witnesses, your experiences, I hear them, they're passion. And I've seen you tell them. I've seen you use your skills to get up in front of people at microphones, use that resource you have within you, that talent, to be able to share it with others. City Hall and other places, you've been able to use your talent to do that. And take time, because those were long days, weren't they, for people who went? Take your time to endure, to be there in all of it. I want you to think, though, what does it mean for us to overcome our own ick factors with a passion that listens to God so clearly that we put our resources to make change? And we still have them. 
about our bodies, about money, about ideologies. We still have our ick factors. You know, some things around age, some things around sweat and size, some things around hair. I remember when I was like 12 years old and the first time I saw a European woman with hair in her arm armpits. <laughs> I thought, ick. You know? Cultural. God says, don't call unclean what I have made clean. Sometimes walking into a group of people that disagree with us, we feel ick. But God says, don't call unclean what I call clean. Sometimes when we talk about money, we say ick. It's because we're conflicted about it. How much to share, how much to hoard, how much to keep, how much to plan for the future. I think ick. But I'm telling you, in this place, we can work together to find that intentional direction of God's spirit speaking to us as clear as a blanket falling before us with everything we thought we couldn't handle before. And God's saying, don't call unclean that which I call clean. So I'm asking you to be a people of pride, to take your passion and your resources and give it some intentional direction and to hang in there till the end to endure. Resurrection, you have been around for 42 years. 42 years. And you've been through a lot. Just remember, it was 42 when Rosa Parks sat down on that bus. It's a beginning. Can you endure and go forward? I invite you today to take an action on your pride. And the specific action I invite you today is to wonder about what would be a gift that you give to this congregation, your talent, your time, and your tithe. What is a gift that you would be proud to share? What is a gift you'd be proud to share? Your talent, your time, and your tithe. You know, what would that look like? That's taking your passion and your resources and starting to pull them together. So in the gathering place after worship today, there's going to be some people there to help you make an electronic one-time gift if you're ready to make a gift that you can be proud of. It's fast and it's easy. Or if you like cash, that works. If you like checks, that works. And if this is making you feel icky, God's dropping that sheet on down. It's rainbow colors and has all sorts of things in it that you're not used to. And God's saying, don't call unclean that which I call clean. Amen. Thank you.